your Bibles, please, to the New Testament, the book of Philippians, please. Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, please. In your uh, bulletin tonight, or the prayer sheet when you come out, there is a handout tonight for our study that I hope you will use. And the answers to all the blanks will be on the screen as we cover our subject tonight. And when you find Philippians chapter 3, if you would look up here, please. Got a question for you. How did you do in 2022? I'm not trying to be a poet. Come <laughs> on, how, how did you do? I'm not saying how did you do physically. I'm not asking how did you do financially or even socially or, or academically. But how did you do spiritually? Spiritually, I'm talking about your walk, your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Do you believe that you're closer to the Lord today than you were this time a year ago? Um, how about how much time do you spend in prayer and personal devotions? How did you do in your victory over temptation and sin? How did you do in your knowledge, growing in the knowledge of God and his word? How about your hunger and thirst for righteousness? or your desire for personal holiness and Christ-likeness? How did you do in sharing your faith with others? How many people did you lead to Christ this past year? Your love for and efforts to win the loss. How did you do with those? How did you do in your church attendance? How did you do spiritually in 2022? You know, this is the first Wednesday of 2023. Where did 2022 go? (laughs) goes by so fast. This is a new year, a new beginning, a fresh new start, another chance to serve the Lord and please him with our lives. Many of us can look back at 2022 and probably see failures. We might see disappointments. We might see things we did we should not have done. Times we failed, we've sinned. But I'm so glad the Lord gave us a new year, a new start, a new opportunity to please him. So, This new year is a good time to set new goals for your life. And what should be the goal of every believer? What should be the goal of every Christian? And I'm sure you could come up with things when I say, well, I might pray more. I might be a better parent. I might be a better husband. I might be a better wife. I might be uh, faithful in church, faithful in my prayer time. And these are all wonderful goals. But what is the what would be the number one goal as far as Christ is concerned in your life as a Christian? I'm glad you asked. We have it right here in Philippians in chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. We're going to call this the ultimate goal of every believer. The ultimate goal of every believer. Now, you may have many goals. I'm not saying there shouldn't be other goals, but the ultimate, the primary, the most important goal that you and I should have as a child of God. Philippians chapter 3. Look with me in verse 12, please. Philippians 3, verse 12. Paul said, Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those which are before I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many be perfect, be thus minded, and if any 
thing we be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. So let's look at the goal here that Paul had in his life. I believe it's the goal that every Christian should have. First of all, I'm talking about understanding the goal. Understanding the goal and um, the goal. Believers are saved for a purpose. When God saved you, he had a purpose, a goal in mind. What was that? Don't answer out loud in case you might answer wrong or you might answer right. But when God saved you, he didn't just save you and stop there. He had a goal in mind. He had a purpose in mind. And what was that goal? Hold your finger here in Philippians, please. Go to Romans chapter 8, please. Romans 8. Believers are saved for a purpose or with a purpose, you could say. And what purpose for which did God save me? What purpose did God for which he, did he save you? This is a very familiar verse. Well, most of us familiar verse 28. Romans 8, verse 28. First of all, Romans 28 talks about the providence of God. Number one, the providence of God. It said, verse 28, many of you know it by heart. It said, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Talking about God's providence in the life of a believer, that he is able to take every situation that comes in our lives. And he works them together for our what? For our good. Isn't that wonderful? And even to think the terrible things, the awful things, the hurtful things, that God in his providence can work them together for my good. And he goes on to say, for the good to them that love God, to them who are called and called purpose. So who's the them? Who are the them for which all things work together good for? Now, of course, it's talking about believers, those that know Christ as Savior. To them that love God to them who are called according to his purpose. So two words, if you don't mind circling it in that verse, circle the word good and circle the word purpose. That God is able to take all things, work them together for our good, ultimately for his purpose. And that's the providence of God. Number two, it talks about the predetermination of God. The predetermination of God. And verse 29 tells us what that good is what the purpose is. All things work together for good. What is that good? And all it said to them are called according to his purpose. What is that purpose? Verse 29. For whom he, talking about God, did foreknow, he also did predestinate, predetermine, to be conformed to the image of his what? Son. So a verse we all know, all things work together for good. What is that good all things work together for? that you and I might be like Jesus Christ. What is the purpose for which all things work together? To be like Christ. So believers are saved for a purpose, and that purpose that one day you might be just like Jesus Christ. That's the goal, that's the purpose for which God saved you. Letter B. Paul's goal was to obtain this purpose. The apostle Paul's goal in his life was to obtain the purpose for which God saved him. What was that? To be like Christ. Number one, to obtain Christ-likeness. That's what Paul lived for. That, that was his goal in his life. His goal was to obtain the purpose for which God saved him, to be, to obtain Christ-likeness. It says there in the second, look in verse 12 again, please. He says, verse 12, as though I had already obtained, either were already perfect, 
but he goes, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. In other words, the word apprehend here means to lay hold of, to obtain, to seize. What he's saying here, basically, Paul said, I want to obtain the very reason God obtained me. I want to uh, uh, seize the very which God, reason God sees me. And what was that? To be like Christ. His goal was to obtain the purpose which God saved him, and that'd be like Jesus. I want to apprehend, that means lay hold of, to seize, to obtain, for that which I am apprehended in Christ Jesus. So God obtained, saved Paul, that he might conform Paul to the image of Jesus Christ. My friend, that's the reason God saved you. That's the purpose, the goal uh, God has in salvation, to obtain Christ-likeness. And notice here, number two, this will be ultimately fulfilled when Christ returns. This will be ultimately fulfilled when Christ returns. Uh, keep your finger in Philippians, please. Go with me now to 1 John chapter 3, please. 1 John 3. You can let go of Romans. Keep your finger in Philippians. Believers are saved with a purpose. The goal, the purpose God had in saving you and I is one day we might be like Jesus Christ. And that was Paul's goal. Paul wanted to obtain the purpose which he was saved for, to be like Christ. I want to apprehend, Paul's says, that which I've been apprehended for, to be like Christ. And this will be ultimately fulfilled when Christ returns. I want you to understand that. 1 John 3, please. 1 John Near the back of your Bible, 1 John chapter 3, look with me in verse 2, please. 1 John 3, 2. John says, Beloved, now we are the what? Sons of God. Talking about present tense. If, you're, if you trust in Christ as Savior, you're not going to be a child of God. You are a child of God. Now we are the sons, the children of God. And it goes on to say, And doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when what? When he shall appear. When is that? What's that talking about? The rapture, when he comes back for his saints, when he shall appear. Notice here, we, underline this please, we shall be like him. In other words, that will very which reason God saved me, that will ultimately come true when Christ returns. But in the meantime, he is working on us to achieve that goal now. Now, we will never achieve it completely in this life, in the flesh. But hopefully, hopefully, in two, this year, you're more like Christ than you were this time last year. But that's the goal. So believers were saved with a purpose. Paul's goal is to obtain this purpose. And uh, letter C, notice now, go back to Philippians, please. Paul's honesty about this goal. Uh, Paul is being transparent in this verse, being honest about this goal. He understood, as a Christian, God saved him for the purpose to be like Christ. And Paul said, that's my goal. I want to achieve the very thing which God saved me for. But he goes now, if he's going to be honest with us, look with me in verse 12, please. Verse 12, he said, not as though I had already obtained, either were already what? Perfect. What he's saying here, Paul said, I'm not perfect. I'm not like Christ. Now, if anyone could have, you know, in his flesh, uh, let me back up, probably the, the people that the churches admired the most was the Apostle Paul. And if anyone said, you know, if anybody like Christ, is like Paul. Paul's like Christ. And Paul said, no, I'm not. I might be more like him than I was last year, but I have not 
he said, I am not perfect. I have not already attained that yet. Either we're already perfect. It means sinless. So Paul is being honest. How about you? Do, are you? Have you reached the Christ-likeness yet? I don't know about you. I've got a long ways to go. And hopefully I'm more like him than I was this time last year. But when I, you know, interesting. When we look at that about ourselves, sometimes we have, we have the uh, tendency to compare ourselves with others. Say, you know, I, I'm more like Christ than he is or she is. But when you are going to measure Christ's likeness, who do you measure that to? Christ himself. Don't measure yourself one way or the other. The Bible said that's not wise. Measure yourself to Jesus Christ. And when I do that, boy, do I fall short. And so uh, Paul said he did too. His honesty, I am not perfect. But it said, this is an honest assertion of the Apostle Paul that he did not regard himself as a perfect man. He had not reached the state wherein he was free from sin. He still sinned. He was not perfect. But he goes on to say, but that is my goal. That was his goal in life. He goes on to say in verse 12 there, not as though I had already obtained, either were already perfect, but I follow after. That's my goal. And if you're going to set any goals in your life in 2023, that ought to be number one. All others ought to take the back burner, the second place to that. Your goal in your life as a Christian should be the goal which God saved you for, to be like Jesus Christ. And if we're honest, we said, I'm not there yet. I may be a little closer, but I'm far from it. But this is my goal. This is what I'm following after. So understanding the goal. Number two, let's talk about establishing the goal. Establishing the goal. Look again in verse 12. We're going to see letter A. First of all, in order to establish a goal, we need to desire what God desires. Desiring what God desires. If I'm going to accomplish the goal of being like Christ, I need to desire what God desires in my life. Again, it says in verse 12, not as though I had already obtained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ. Basically, he's basically saying, I desire in my life what God saved me for. That's my desire. Is that your desire tonight? Of all the things in 2023, what is your foremost desire? It ought to be to be like Christ. Now, there's nothing wrong with other desires, other things you might want to be like. But our foremost desire, our foremost goal is to be like Jesus Christ, desiring what God desires. And letter B, making it my primary purpose. Making it that goal for which God saved me for my primary purpose. Now, again, you may have other purposes. We talked about earlier, you may want to be a better husband, a better dad, a better mother, a better wife, a better parent, a better worker. Nothing wrong. These are wonderful goals. But all these ought to take second place to that of being like Christ. Because if you're like Christ, you will be a better husband. If you're like Christ, you'll be a better wife. If you're like Christ, you'll be better uh, a parent. So you can achieve the secondary goals by first focusing on the primary goal, making a primary goal. Bre and look in verse 13, please. He said, Brethren, I count not myself as apprehended, but this one thing I what? What are you saying? That's my primary goal. 
He didn't say these two things, three things, this one thing. What he's saying, of all the goals Paul may have had in his life, this is number one. This one thing I do. Paul had one great aim, purpose, goal in life was to be like Christ. And that's the reason God saved you. So again, understanding the goal. What was the purpose God saved us? To be like Christ. Uh, Paul said, my goal is to obtain the purpose which God saved me, to be like Christ. His honesty said, I'm not there yet. I'm working on it. I'm, I'm not perfect, but I'm following after it. And so now he tells us in verse 12, he, says, he desires what God desires. And what God desires, he makes that his primary purpose for his life. Number three. Number three. Let's look at steps to fulfill this goal. Steps to fulfill the goal of becoming like Christ. He tells us in verse 13. Look at verse 13. Again, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. The first step is forget the past. Forget the past. Forgetting those things which are behind. The word forgetting means to loose, remove out of our mind, to forget. And the first thing we can do is we must forget our past sins and failures. You know, the devil is notorious and an expert of bringing up our past failures. A throw them in your face and say, look how you failed. Look how you've made a mistake. You just need to give up and quit. You never make it. And constantly bring up our past failures, things we've done wrong. And Paul said, we need to forget that. Forget our past sins and failures. By the way, what was Paul's past like? Did he have a lot that he should forget about? <laughs> uh, let's look at that together. Because I want you to know, sometimes many of us think, well, nobody's like knows what I, my past is like. Nobody knows what I've done. And, and pastor, to think that I need to forget that. Let's look at the word of Scripture. Hold your finger here again. Go now to Acts chapter 8, please. Acts chapter 8. Let's look at Paul's life before he was saved. And he's the one that said, forgetting the things which are behind. Talking about his past life. The things that were behind him now. If anybody would have a reason to feel guilty and feel like God cannot use me, because of my past, the Apostle Paul did. And many times, many Christians will not step out to seek to do something for God because they say, well, you don't know what I've done, Pastor. You don't know how I failed. But look at the Apostle Paul. Acts chapter 8. Do you have that, Acts chapter 8? Look in verse 1, please. This is prior to the Apostle Paul's salvation. His name was Saul here. In Acts chapter 8, verse 1, it said, And Saul was consenting unto his death. The context was Stephen's death. Stephen was just stoned for his testimony for Christ. And Paul was off to the side, shaking his head. This is good. This is the good things. This man who is confessing Christ to be stoned. Goes on to say, and at that time, there was great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. In verse 3, look what it says. As for Saul, that's Apostle Paul before he was saved, he made what? Havoc of the church. Now, the church is not talking about the building. Talking about the body of believers. Paul made havoc of the church, read on, entering into every house and hailing, calling men and women, committing them to what? 
prison. The word havoc means to ravage, to devastate. So prior to Paul's salvation, when Stephen was stoned, he was back there shaking his head, this is good. And it went on, it said he made havoc of the church. He went house to house to house looking for anyone who would acknowledge, profess Christ as Savior. And it said he would commit them to prison. He didn't stop there. Look in chapter 9 in verse 1. In fact, I believe the verse will be on the screen. Chapter 9, verse 1. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord. Notice the word Scripture uses. Talk about consenting unto others the death of Christians. He made havoc of the church, committing them to prison, and now threatenings and slaughter. What a word to use. The apostle Paul slaughtered God's people by putting them to death under the consent of the hierarchy of the high, uh, high priest. But that's what he did. That's the words of Scripture. Now, look at the testimony of other believers. I believe it will be on the screen. In chapter 9, Acts chapter 9, Ananias. Look what it says there about him. Chapter 9, 13, Ananias. This is the testimony of believers concerning Paul. It said, Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how many e much me, how much evil he hath done to the saints of Jerusalem. Now, I hope you in your mind circle the words havoc, devastation, threatening, slaughter, evil, and he is done. That's the testimony of Christians. Now, the testimony of unbelievers. Chapter 9, verse 21. I believe that also will be on the screen. Acts 9, 21. This is after Paul was saved. Paul began now to preach the very thing he persecuted. And notice the unbelievers responded and said, But all that heard him were amazed and said, Is not this he that destroyed them was called on this name in Jerusalem and came hither for the intent that he might bring them bound into the chief priests. So believers said he uh, did evil against God's people. The unbelievers said basically he sought to destroy. These are strong words given to the Apostle Paul's actions before he was saved. Talking about persecution, talking about threatenings and slaughter and destroying, that's the words of Scripture and testimony of other people. What about Paul? Did Paul say the same thing about himself? Sometimes other people talk worse about us than we would say about ourselves. But what did Paul say about his past? I'm glad you asked. Acts chapter 22, verse 4. Acts 22, verse 4, please. Here's Paul's own testimony. He was given his testimony of how he came to Christ and what he was like before he was saved. And again, it's quite amazing of this man who went on to say, forgetting those things which are behind. Acts 22, verse 4. Acts 22, verse 4. Paul said, And I persecuted this way unto death. What, what does this way mean? Talk about the way of Christianity, the way of Christ. I persecuted this way unto death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women. Wow. Again, talking about slaughter, putting in prison, and putting them to death, binding them, delivering them to prison, and men and women. In verse 19 of chapter 20, it says this. 
chapter 22, verse 19, and I, and I said, Lord, they know that I am prison and beat every, in every synagogue them that believed on thee. Again, slaughter, beatings, threatenings, delivered to death. These are all words that describe Paul's past before he was saved. And lastly, Acts 26, verse 11. Acts 26, verse 11. Another testimony of Paul about himself. He said, and I punished them often in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly against them, I persecuted them even in strange cities. He reached outside Jerusalem. He would punish Christians. He would threaten them to the point he compelled them to blaspheme the name of Christ. And so this man had it out for Christians. And notice that he's the one says to be like Christ, the first thing you must do, you need to forget the things which are behind. What is it in your past life that you feel like will hold you back from being a better Christian? And many times Satan will use that against you and bring it up to you in your forethoughts and say, look what you've done. You might as well give up. You never make it. So here's a man. By the way, your past life has it compared to Paul's. You have to say, well, I'm not that bad. <laughs> I made them things wrong, but I didn't slaughter Christians. I didn't beat them and put them in prison and cause them to blaspheme God. Paul did. And Paul said, in order to be like Christ, the first thing you need to do is forgetting the past. And it always forget our past sins and failures. Number two, underneath forgetting the past, we should, we should forget our past successes and achievements. We should forget our past successes and achievements. Go back to Philippians, please. So what do you mean, Pastor? Why should I forget my achievements? I've met many a Christian that they talk about the testimony, and they gave a testimony of all the things they used to do for Christ. Talk about the things they, and, and many of them say, wow, you've done a lot. And said, so I did this, I did this, I did that. I want to say, wonderful, but what are you doing now? And many times people will take their past successes and use it now to become complacent in the present. And maybe you're here today and you've got a wonderful past for Christ since you were saved. And you've done a lot for the Lord. You've served him in many churches. You've served him in many different ways. And that's wonderful, but don't stop. When should a Christian stop serving the Lord? When he goes to heaven, exactly. Long as you're alive, God has a purpose for you. He has a, a purpose in your life to use you in a way. So we should forget our past. Notice Paul's past. Philippians chapter 3, verse 4. Philippians 3, 4. Paul said, verse 4, said, Though I might have also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof to might trust in the flesh, I more. In verse 5, it says this circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness of the law, blameless. Now, he was not blameless in God's eyes, but he was blameless in man's eyes. So there was no, nobody could point their finger at Paul, in a sense, as being a, a, a Pharisee, doing something wrong. So he had a lot to, he could put confidence in the flesh. Look what I've done, what I can achieve because of what I've done in the past. But Paul says, if you want to be like Christ, 
The steps you take need to forget your past, forget your sins and failures, and also don't dwell on your successes and your achievements. Because sometimes you get so caught up in doing uh, in what you did do keeps you from doing anything in the present. Believers must refuse to dwell on sins and failures of this past or to rely on past virtuous deeds or achievements in the ministry. To be distracted by the past hinders one's effort in the present. That's what Paul's saying. So we need to forget the past. Number two, or letter B, focus on the goal. Focus on the goal. Forget the past. Letter B, focus on the goal. Go back to um, Philippians. Look in verse 13, please. Verse 13, he says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and what? It says, reaching forth unto those which are before. So forget the past, whether it be failures or successes, but focus on the goal, reaching forth to those things which are before. Of course, the things which are before is serving the Lord and becoming more like Christ. Focus on the goal. So in this year of 2023, forget your past and focus on the future. Focus on the goal that Christ saved you for. And let her see, pursue the prize. Pursue the prize. In verse 14, Paul said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Forget the past. Focus on the goal of Christ-likeness and pursue the prize. Number one, in, in this pursuing the prize, number one, vigorously and with concentration. Pursue this prize. We're going to tell you what the prize is in just a moment. Vigorously and with concentration. That should be your focus, your concentration. Pursue the prize vigorously. He says, I press toward the word press means to run swiftly, to eagerly seek after, to earnestly endeavor to acquire. That's what Paul was doing. And also pursuing the prize, not only vigorously with concentration. Number two, keeping our eyes on that prize. Keeping our eyes on that prize. He said, I press toward, he said, I press toward the mark of the prize. The word mark there is the goal or the end has in view. Paul was thinking about an Olympic runner who's running a race. And we, the, one of the most important things that a runner can do to w win the race is keep his eyes on the what? On the goal, the end, 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 where he needs to run to. If he looks, starts looking around him and looking to the side, he'll get off the uh, track. He'll start losing the race. So keep your eyes, uh, eyes on the prize, the mark, the goal, the end it has in view. And what is that goal? What is the prize? Now, what do you know? The goal, of course, Christ-likeness here and now. The prize is Christ-likeness in heaven. The goal, focus on the goal, Christ-likeness here and now. And the prize, he said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God. The prize is Christ-likeness in heaven. In other words, the goal, I want to be like Christ right now. But the prize is one day I will be just like him when he returns. And what should motivate us to do that? And we'll conclude with this. 
motivated by the return of Christ. Motivated by the return of Christ. In verse 14, it said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. What does it mean, high calling? The word high calling means the upward call, literally the upward call. The time when God calls each believer to heaven into his presence will be the moment of receiving the prize, which has been an attainable goal in earthly life, to be like Christ. So when he comes, the Bible says, when he shall appear, that we shall be like him. So let's wrap it up. How'd you do in 2022? What, uh, what grade would you give yourself of your spirituality, of your walk with Christ? Would you give yourself an A or B or C? Maybe some of us might give ourselves a D or maybe even we failed. But my friend, we, God's given us a new year, a new beginning, a new start, a fresh new beginning. God says, forget the past, press toward the future, and make the goal for which God saved you for your primary goal. Have other goals, yes, but your number one goal in life as a child of God is to be like Christ. That's the reason God saved you. One day you will be like that. The goal is the Christ-likeness here and now, but the ultimate prize is Christ-likeness in heaven. And the conclusion is verse 15. We'll wrap it up with this. Verse 15 he said, let us, therefore, he included himself. Let, he didn't say let you. Let us, therefore, as many as be perfect. And the word perfect is not contrary to what Paul said. Before. It means mature. One of the signs of spiritual maturity that you might be minded to be like Christ. is basically, let us, therefore, as many as be spiritually mature, be thus minded. The mindset, I want to be like Christ. That's attitude of a, a mature believer. And he said, if, any, uh, thing, if in anything you otherwise be minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. If you and I have the wrong goals, God reveal that to us. That's what he's saying there. But what Paul was saying here, the ultimate goal for your life, Christian, is to be like Christ. And you want to measure yourself, how you're doing with that? Go to Scripture. Examine the life of Christ and how you measured him and his compassion, his love, his mercy, and his love for others and uh, use that as a comparison. And so 2023, Christian, set a goal, a primary goal to be like Christ. And that's his desire for you. Let's bow together, please. Father in heaven, we thank you that one day we will be like you. We understand from Scripture that for all things work together for our good, ultimately for a, a, a purpose, and that good and purpose that we might be conformed to the image of your Son. I pray, Father, we would be like the Apostle Paul, that we would make that purpose our goal in life. That's what you want to achieve. That's what your purpose is. Lord, we need to cooperate that and work with that and begin to see the Spirit of God conform us to the image of your Son. I pray, Father, that a result of this message and that each one of us will set that goal. And, Father, the Lord tarries that we're back here again and the 1st of January in 2024, we look back and say, boy, the Lord has conformed me so much to be like his son. And others might see Christ in us. In his name we pray. Amen.